It's Geraldine Johns Putra, and I am the host of the New Earth Lawyer podcast. Now, today I wanted to talk about something that I actually spoke about at a panel last week. The topic is the bamboo ceiling. You might have seen that I actually reported about this on social media, and I thought what I would do is I would spend this episode of New Earth Lawyer explaining what I said during that panel, because I think it's a really important topic. The bamboo ceiling or cultural diversity is actually a topic that I've found in the past quite challenging to talk about and to pick apart. Why? Because there are simply so many cultures. We talk about gender diversity, and that's very important too, obviously. Now, today, these days, there's a debate about how many genders there are. Even with that debate, there are still way more cultures than there are genders. And in cultures, there are subcultures. And you've got threading through cultural diversity, uh, linguistic diversity and ethnic diversity. I am, for example, a Malaysian by birth brought up in Malaysia. I've emigrated to Australia. And as I'll explain a bit later on, there's more to it than that. So with all of this complexity, it's quite difficult to come up with effective strategies to address the lack of cultural diversity in senior leadership in Australian business today. Uh, but I did get my thoughts together for this panel, and so that's really what I want to talk about today. Firstly, why is cultural diversity or addressing the lack of cultural diversity important? Well, because the, the real reason we want to promote diversity is diversity of perspective, diversity of thought is the aim, it's what we want. Let's say that the norm in Australian business the higher echelons of Australian business today, is white Anglo-Saxon male with a private school education. Now, there is nothing wrong with that type of individual per se, but if we have boardrooms or C-suites filled with people who have only that type of, of background or fit that stereotype, then chances are they're going to have a very narrow perspective and end up uh, you know, in a sort of echo chamber where they don't have a lot of dynamic opinions and challenge happening because that's what we want. We, we want people who have got different perspectives, who've got something different to contribute, uh, who are sparking off each other, and really generating something electric and, and energetic and new, plus also reflecting the community and reflecting the workforce of the organization and the clientele. And if you just have one or two, which we refer to as tokenism, different people or people from different backgrounds, that's not enough. If you walk into a room and you're the only person who is from a different background than everybody else, chances are you're going to try and fit in. And that's actually not, not what's desirable. Having 
having a very diverse C-suite or boardroom gives everyone permission to really bring their, their true selves out. And that's when you're going to get the, the rewards um, of the diversity that you're seeking. Now, what can we do about breaking through this so-called bamboo ceiling? This is where I really did give some thought to it. Um, especially if, if you've grown up in an Asian culture, say, and Asian culture is uh, stereotypically known for promoting quieter qualities and the the it's said the standard of of being a leader it's desirable as someone who is assertive um as someone who's a bit of a go-getter so there's a there's possibly a, an inconsistency or a clash in how an asian person might have grown up and what they're aspiring to be that said i personally think that since the idea of the bamboo ceiling really became prominent in the early 2000s. There was a book written by a lady called Jane Hyun, who is an executive coach. She coined the expression bamboo ceiling. Uh, Breaking Through the Bamboo Ceiling, I believe, was her book written in 2005. Now, in, in that era, which is 15 or 16 years ago, there was more of this idea that a leader needed uh, to be uh, more outspoken and more assertive. In that time, I would say that we have become more used to, more accustomed to different personality types and able to be more nuanced, able to to distinguish what people with different personality types can actually bring to the table. So that whole idea of being brash and in your face, I would say doesn't uh, hold as much water as it did. I personally, I'm an introvert. And, you know, in the last two years or so, it's become okay to be an introvert. There's a great book written by a lady named Susan Cain. It's called Quiet. And that book is written for introverts. It's, it gives tips to people who are introverts on how to, how to really leverage their introvert style, uh, strategies to deal with, with our style. And it also makes clear that introverts can bring something, can contribute to organizations. So books like that have actually brought to our awareness that there's more than one type of personality and everybody's unique and, and everybody has something, something to contribute. So whatever your cultural background, I would say, there hasn't been a better time than now to embrace all of the different parts of yourself and, and bring it uh, to, to your workplace. And I'm going to say here that I actually don't think the bamboo ceiling is so much about being one personality type or having certain qualities that, that you were encouraged to have growing up over others. I actually think it's about being cross-cultural. I think it's about people growing up 
in a different culture, coming from a different culture, being imbued with one culture and then crossing over into something else that is presented as the norm. That creates this extra challenge of knowing who you really are. As we grow up, as we uh, go through adolescence, it's hard enough. I mean, we all remember how hard it was growing up and going through secondary or high school and trying to figure out who you were. But when you're cross-cultural, there's an extra challenge because you, you're, you're always actually looking outside for cues. Take me. Um, as I said, I, I'm Malaysian. And I already have a complicated um, ethnic background. In Malaysia, we have three races, the Malays, the Chinese, and the Indians. I am mixed race Malaysian. So I am part Indian and part Chinese. And there's also additional European blood on my dad's side. So I, you know, was already a little bit confused, I would say, about my my identity. It was already complex to begin with. And then I came to Australia to study, and I stayed on, and I emigrated here. And when I arrived in Melbourne to study um, at university, I actually spent a fair bit of time trying to understand Australian culture. When I look back, I can see it was actually more of an effort than I realized at the time. I remember I had a uni course mate who joked with me. He was an Australian and he said, well, you're going to have to get to know the rules of cricket if you want to be Australian. And it was a joke, but, you know, just kind of, because I did learn the rules of cricket to fit in to an extent that I felt that I had to, to have an easier time. So what I'm saying is that, you know, that's an example of how I adapted. Um, and I continued to do things like that, adapt and adapt and adapt and became a bit of a master at it. I wanted to be accepted. And along the way, I may have lost myself a little bit. As I said, I, I, I had a little bit of uncertainty anyway as to as to what my true identity was. And so what I'm saying is that cross-cultural individuals, we're constantly relying on, on what's outside of us to stay on track with uh, who, who we think we ought to be, right? And we're, we become conditioned to it. And, and what I think it does or can do is translate actually into early success in school or university because you become so good at being everybody else. The best at being everybody else is how, is how I put it. And it can even serve you through your early career. But then there comes a point when it's not enough. And this actually happens to many high achievers because at some point, um, we have to really become our authentic selves. In the workplace, you really, if you want to become a leader, you need to show your own character. 
You need to show resilience. You need to demonstrate who you really are. You need to know your own values. And that's what leadership really is when it comes down to it. You need to be uniquely yourself. And if we think of leaders we admire, well, they are true individuals. And that's what sets them apart. And that's why they've got to where they are. So we need to know ourselves first. And if we're coming from one culture and trying to adapt to another, uh, I would say the sooner we get there, understanding who we really are, the better it is for our career and our leadership prospects because others are, others are going to see it and they'll recognize it and they will be drawn to it and they will respect it. Plus, it's going to make us happier because we're going to be our authentic selves. Now, having said all that, I'm going to turn to what uh, people in organizations, colleagues who might want to be allies to help promote cultural diversity can do. Given what I've said, I would say that the obvious thing is to celebrate everyone's uniqueness. If you want to be an ally also, well, don't make assumptions because, as I said, there, there are so many perspectives when it comes to cultural diversity. It's easy to think that someone comes from one country and therefore they're like this or they come from another uh, cultural background and therefore they're like that. But everybody is going to have a different story. So get to know the person first. Rely on respect and civility old-fashioned values that will serve us all well. If you make a thoughtless uh, statement or a joke that misfires, apologize. And that actually goes both ways. The tolerance goes both ways. So for those of us who come from a different cultural background, I think we can be tolerant of people who make mistakes. Racism exists and we don't want to tolerate out-and-out racism but people make mistakes or they can lack awareness they can be ignorant and the best way to overcome that i think is to be tolerant and explain why something they say might be offensive uh, or inappropriate for organizations and leaders who want to be champions of cultural diversity, uh, what I would say there is that psychological safety is number one to uh, allow people to be who, who they really are. They need room to get to know who they really are and to express who they really are. And an organization that allows that actually is going to create a very powerful workforce. You know, I uh, work with purpose-led uh, companies or companies who, who want to embed purpose. And we tend to focus a lot, or we have done in the last few years, on organizations and their purpose. What I would really love to see is enterprises or organizations investing in individuals, particularly their future leaders, give them some one-on-one -on -one coaching so that those leaders of the next generation 
can understand what their personal purpose and personal values are. And where there's an alignment with the organization's purpose, well, that's actually going to be more powerful than imposing an organization's purpose onto people. When people know who they are, what their purpose is, well, then their voice is going to shine through and who they are and their passion is going to come through. And if they can align that to what the organization is doing and the organization's why, well, then all of the positive things about diversity that I talked about, which is diversity of thought and perspective, that's going to be unleashed. And I think that is how we will enable people to break through every kind of ceiling that there is. So that's me for today my thoughts on cultural diversity and the bamboo ceiling. If you've uh, enjoyed the episode, then please like it. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe um, or follow our social media channels. And as always, until the next time, take care of yourself. Goodbye.